So, over the last year, I have been doing a wonderful thing with my mom, who lives in South Africa. I have been collecting all of her stories from throughout her life, and with the help of a company called StoryWorth in America, we have now put all of her stories into a book that we can read, but also I can hand over to my son and they can read. And one of her stories is how she and my dad became a Christian. I wasn't born into a Christian family. My parents grew up attending church, maybe on Easter or, Chris, or Christmas, but they did not know the reality of Christianity and they didn't have a relationship with Jesus. So that was the family I was born into. But when I was five, something happened within our family. And I would love to read you the account of my mom's story. This is what she wrote when she sent it to, to me. I sent her the question, how did you and dad become Christians? And I wanna read you what she said to me. My father's name was Doug, just so that you get an idea of what's going on in the story. So this is what my mom said. While we were living in Durban, Doug took ill and was admitted to hospital to have tests done. My sister Glenda had phoned from Johannesburg and she said that her and her prayer group had prayed for him. Afterwards, one of the ladies gave her a phone number of a pastor in the full gospel church in Durban. Glenda said she was going to contact him and asked him, ask him to visit Doug in hospital. At that time, we were sending Shelley and Jenny to Sunday school, but we did not attend church. I went to visit Doug and told him to expect a visit from the pastor. And he replied, I had better be in the theater when that happens. <laughs> the next day, I was in the garage when I saw a man in a suit walking up the driveway and I thought he was a salesman. I was brought up in the Methodist church where the minister wore a dog collar. It's a white, um, shirt that you wear to show that you're a pastor in the Methodist church. In South Africa, we call it a dog collar. <laughs> I got a shock when he introduced himself as Pastor Stokes. I invited him in for tea and he was so friendly. I told him that the girls go to Sunday school, but we did not go to church. And when he asked why not, I replied, because the church is full of hypocrites. He answered me with, do you catch the bus? The bus, surely? Well, the bus is also full of hypocrites, yet you still get on it. He had an answer for everything, and I liked that. The next time when I visited Doug, he was so much better, and he said that Pastor Stokes had visited and prayed for him, and he was feeling a whole lot better. Doug was told to go back to the hospital to get his results, but when he did, they had lost his files, and there was no evidence of him ever being in hospital. Pastor Stokes came every Friday night and read and explained the scriptures to us. I found our King James Bible, shook the dust off of it, and then brought a, bought a good news Bible, which was easier for us to understand. Pastor Stokes called me a goat because he said I was always butting in, no matter what I said. Every time he spoke to us, it was like a jigsaw puzzle, puzzle slowly fitting together and the truth of Jesus was becoming clearer and clearer. I was slower at understanding things than Doug was. One Friday night, he asked me if I thought Jesus would let me into heaven, and I said, no, he wouldn't. I'm not worthy enough, and I started to cry. He read John 3 verse 16. 
And I understood what Jesus did for me on the cross. He had made me worthy. The three of us went down on our knees in our lounge and Pastor Stokes led us in the sinner's prayer. God's grace and mercy overwhelmed me. We were told that the angels in heaven were rejoicing over us sinners repenting. We now had a relationship with Jesus and started going to church. On our first visit, everyone was so friendly and we thought they were putting on a concert as there was a band up front. We so enjoyed the service and soon I was having the ladies Bible study in our home. Doug in his lunch hour at work held a Bible study for all of the workers. I wrote a letter to my sister Glenda telling her that her little sister had given her heart to Jesus and I told her, I don't feel any different, but now I am aware when I want to swear. <laughs> I thank the Lord for my sister who prayed 19 years for our salvation and for Pastor Stokes for never giving up on us. We also got water baptized a few months later, an outward expression of an inward experience. The best is yet to come when I see my savior face to face. Come Lord Jesus, come soon. In the meantime, he promises never to leave or forsake me. So I have nothing to fear. I wanted to use my mom's story to help us understand a passage that I'm going to read to you from Philippians. We've been doing a study through the book of Philippians, and I'm hoping that her story will just shine a light on what we're going to read now. It's found in Philippians 2 verse 14, if we could put that on the, on the screen. And it says this, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God, without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. This was Paul writing to the church in Philippi. And if you can go back to the uh, previous verse, he says he wanted the church in Philippi to live amongst a warped and crooked generation, but they were to shine among them like stars in the sky. And I think you will agree with me that when I read my mom's story, we got a glimpse of Pastor Stokes and the praying ladies shining like stars in a crooked and depraved world. And my parents benefited from that. I also benefited from it. My boys have benefited from it. Paul says to the church that the world that they are in is warped and crooked. Pretty strong words he uses to describe the world. And it's the same words we can use to describe the world today. In other translations, it says crooked and perverse. The word crooked comes from the word scoliosis, scolia which is where we get our word scoliosis. If someone has scoliosis, my mom does, her back is crooked. It's not straight like ours, it's shaped like an S. And because my mom has scoliosis, she walks with pain every single day. Scoliosis, crookedness, brings pain. And then he also uses the word perverse, which means instead of being straight, it's twisted and it's turned. That's what perverse means. So Paul says the world we live in is crooked, it's got scoliosis, 
and it is twisted and it is turned. I'm sure you will all agree with me that the world that we live in today is dark. It has got scoliosis. It is twisted and crooked. In order for us to shine like stars in the night, we have to recognize how dark the world is. We only have to look at what has happened in the last three weeks to see how crooked and perverse the world is. There are more human slaves today than ever before. There are more refugees in the world today than we've ever had before. More people have been killed in the last century than any other century. We live in a crooked and perverse world. I saw this picture the other day, if you can put that up, Nick. And this is a picture showing how big the sun is compared to some other planets, the size of the sun compared to some other planets. And for those of you sitting way back there, we see the sun, the next one is Jupiter, then we get Saturn, then Uranus, and then the Earth. That tiny little dot down there is us, the Earth. And as I saw this picture, I thought, the Earth is so small, how can none of us get on? It's so small, and yet there is such division and such conflict on our little planet. And you might say, it's a small planet, but there are 7.8 billion people living on this little planet, and that's why we are in such a mess. But let's take it smaller. Forget about the whole planet. Let's just take one country, either Ireland, either South Africa, either America, just take one country and look at the division and the differences of opinion and the fights that happen even in one country. And we could pick, pick any country in the world. Such division. Let's take it even smaller. Within one country, look at one group within that country. So whether it's a company, whether it's a church, just a group of people like us, make it smaller. We still see fights, divisions, breakups, people leaving, starting another company, churches splitting. Even within a smaller group, we see division. Let's take it even smaller. Let's take one family. Say a family of five. Do you think there's continued unity even within one family? We know there's not. There's friction. There's hardships. Sometimes there is division. Sometimes brothers are not talking to sisters. Sometimes brothers are not talking to brothers. Sometimes children are not talking to parents. Even in a small family unit. And then let's take it down to even the smallest of groups, two people. Whether it be a friendship or whether it be a marriage between a man and a woman. Still friction, still breakups, still trouble. Why is it so difficult for us to maintain unity? If any of you have gone through a divorce, you would be able to tell us the pain that that brings, the incredible turmoil that that brings to a family. Scoliosis brings pain. So whether it's the whole world or whether it's two people, there is something similar. 
The world likes to call it many things, but the Bible calls it sin. It gives it one name and calls it sin. We are all sinful. The world is sinful. It is crooked and twisted. The Bible calls it sin. And there's sin in every one of our hearts, and it causes us to have scoliosis. Now, if I just stopped there, it would be a very, very sad message that I'm giving to you, because all of us will agree what I've just said. But I can't just stop there, because I have to say, but God. But God made a way for people. That is the gospel, that is the Christian message that we preach. God made a way for people for their sin to be taken away and for us to live differently. He sent Jesus, who is God, who humbled himself to the point of dying on a cross. And Jesus's point of dying on a cross, his purpose of dying on the cross was to take the whole sin of the world, place it on himself, that whoever believed in him would then have their sin taken away. And we do not have to walk with scoliosis anymore. That is what happened to my mom and dad on that night when they kneeled in their lounge and gave their hearts to Jesus. It's a picture of what Jesus has done for us and offers to everybody. I want to illustrate it like this. I want you to see God up here because he is God Almighty, higher than all of us. God is up here. Then we have us and then we have Jesus. But we've just spoken about all the sin. Let's pretend this is sin. And on us, we all walk with sin. We have sin. Now there is a problem between us and God because in between us there's sin. And sinful man can't have a relationship with God because he's a holy God. So we have God and we have us, but there is a massive problem of sin in between. And here's Jesus. And Isaiah 53, if you can pop that up, Rena, says this. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us have, has turned to our own way. That's the scoliosis. That's the sin. Each of us have turned to our own way. But the Lord has laid on him, who's him? Jesus. The Lord has laid on him the sin of us all which gives up us an opportunity to be free. And when our sin is taken away, we are now able to have a relationship with God. That is the gospel message. That is the good news, is that the Lord has laid on him the sin of us all, and we get to walk free. The gospel is an incredible, beautiful message that has impacted our lives and that we can give to others. In order for us to shine like stars in the night, we need to have a fresh revelation that Jesus is the answer. He's the only answer. Jesus is the answer. And if you know Jesus, you have something to give. You have something to speak about. You have something to tell others that Jesus is the answer. We really need a fresh revelation that Jesus is the answer. There is no other answer to this problem. Without Jesus taking sin, we are in big trouble, but we're not. He has taken our sin, and Jesus is the answer. A couple of weeks ago, I was in Barcelona visiting my one son. 
we went out to lunch the one day and he had invited one of his Spanish friends to come have lunch with us. And um, this Spanish guy is a chiropractor. He speaks seven different languages and he's a model in Spain. So when you walk around Barcelona, you see his billboard with his picture, many of the places in Barcelona. So Christopher, my son, tells me that he's invited this guy to come have lunch with us. And I must say, I was a little bit intimidated. I was like, oh my word, what are we gonna talk about? So in walks this guy, and he sits down, we introduce ourselves, and he looks at me and he says, I am not a believer, but I hear that you are a believer. Tell me why you are a believer just like that, within the first two minutes of us sitting together. And for the next 20 minutes, I got to have a conversation with him where I told him why I believe like I do. Like I do. And he came back with questions, he argued a bit. He said to me, I speak to the universe. He says, I believe in the universe and I speak to the universe. So I said, well, I speak to the God of the universe. And if you would like to know how you can move from speaking to the universe to the God of the universe, this is how you can. It was an amazing conversation. But I had to realize that even though this guy looked so all together, he looked like he had life all together. I had to remind myself that he was living in darkness and I had something to give. I shouldn't be intimidated by him because he looks so successful. I actually have something to give. And he was asking me, he knew that there was a hollow in his heart. He knew he didn't have it all together. That's why I asked that question. And so it just reminded me, we, if we are to be stars that shine in the night, we have to have a fresh revelation that people are living in darkness and they need to hear the good news that we have to share with them. If you can put up the verse, um, Philippians 2 verse 14 that we read, it says here, um, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. When you see a star in the sky, it shines so brightly because it's against darkness. So for example, look at those lights. They are shining so brightly because they have black behind them. We can see them so clearly because they are in the darkness. They're shining because they're in the darkness. And I want to encourage Lift Church. Do not be afraid to mix with the darkness. We shine when we are mixing in the darkness. When we are mixing with people who don't know Jesus, that's when we shine. None of us can really see our lights here because we're all the same, we're all shining. But put yourself in a context where no one else is shining, you will stand out, you will shine. And I wanna encourage you, don't be afraid to stand out. Human nature really wants to blend in. I love blending in. I just wanna blend in to everybody else but Jesus says, I've called you to stand out. You are stars that are to shine in the, in the night, in the darkness. He wants us to stand out. He wants us to be different, radically different. We are not called to blend in. We're called to stand out. So when people have fear, we walk in peace. 
When the world says, every man for themselves, if you have to climb that corporate ladder, climb it and don't be afraid to step on anyone on your way up. We believe to walk in humility and for God to lift us up, for God to honor us. When the world says, do whatever makes you happy, we know our lives need to submit to the word of God and we need to, Ken spoke so well on this last week, we need to look out for the interests of others. We need to prefer the next person more than ourselves. We need to look out for their interests more than our interests. You see how different we are. When the world says take revenge, we operate in forgiveness. We really do stand out. We are radically different when we live in accordance to the word of God. And God says when we do that, we will shine. I love um, the first verse, verse 14. It says, do everything without grumbling or arguing. We're already standing out if we just do that. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. That word grumbling in the Greek means to murmur under one's breath. To walk around and just mumble, mumble, mumble. I don't like this. Why am I in this? This is so bad. Why does he tell me to do this? We just mumble, mumble. We're grumbling about everything that goes on in our life. It says do everything without grumbling or arguing. Arguing is when you make it verbal. You speak to someone else and you actually verbalize the sin that's in your heart. It says do everything without grumbling. I wish I could say, well, in the Greek, everything doesn't mean everything. It actually means just some things. But when you look in the Greek, everything means everything. That's how radically different we are. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. Sure. And then, what I love, he says here, then, when you do that, when you live differently, when you stand out, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. Go on to the next verse, please, Nick. Uh, Renus, as you hold firmly to the word of life. As you hold firmly to the word of life. This is the word of life. Hold firmly to the word of life. I don't know if any of you were like me, but in school or church camps, we would go to a campsite. And often the campsite was near a river. I don't know why they always picked campsites near a river, but it was. And most of the time, there was a rope from one side of the river to the other side of the river. And as an exercise, we had to hold on to this rope, hanging underneath, swing our legs up over the rope, and then pulley ourselves to the other side. And I remember we were always told, hold firmly, don't let go. Hold firmly, because we knew if we let go, there's going to be trouble. And so we would really hold firmly with everything we had. We would hold on to. And that's the picture I think Paul is wanting to tell the church in Philippians. Hold firmly. Hold firmly to this. Don't let it go. You let it go, we're in trouble. Hold firmly to what the word of God says. And then other translations say, one translation says hold firmly and the other one says hold out the word of God. And I like to do both. We don't just hold firmly to it, but we actually hold out the word of God. That means when people ask us, 
like that Spanish guy did with me, we hold out the word of life. And we give them what we know is the answer. We hold, we hold firmly and we also hold out. I think Pastor Stokes gives us an amazing picture of someone who held firmly to the word of God, but also held out the word of God. What I love about my mom and dad's story is that it was teamwork. Did you pick that up? My aunt had been praying for 19 years for my mom. We can't say, well, well done, Pastor Stokes. My, mom, my aunt had been praying 19 years for my mom and my dad. So there was praying that was happening. Then Pastor Stokes went every Friday night and explained the word of God. I almost was reticent to say that he was a pastor because then you will say, well, that's the pastor's job. Pastors do that. They go every night. Pastor Stokes is a believer and all believers, I believe when God opens up the opportunity, we need to hold out the word of God. So we had the prayers, we had Pastor Stokes going and doing the talking and then we also had the church that my mom and dad eventually joined. They were involved in discipling them, loving them, growing them. So all three, it was real teamwork. All three groups of those people were shining like stars in the night. My mom twice here said, firstly, she was so surprised how friendly Pastor Stokes was, and then she was so surprised when the church was so friendly. I believe as a church, we are to do two things. We are to be friendly, we are to love, and we are to hold out the word of life. We can't just love. We have to hold out the word of life. We can't just hold out the word of life. We have to love. And as a church, if we want to shine like the stars in the dark, those two things will help you just remember what is it that we are called to do. I would love Ginny to come and share a picture that she had. Um, quite a while ago, she shared it with me and I just thought it was so applicable for us to, for her to share that picture this morning. Thanks, Jim. Um, yeah, it was probably a month ago, and I was sitting in church worshiping, and um, I just saw a picture of Jesus, and it was a picture of Switzerland. It was just a little town, <clears throat> maybe it was Oak, I'm not sure, <laughs> and it was it was in the winter. And it was dark, and Jesus was hovering over the town. And I just saw the top half of him, so his face and his arms. And, and flowing from his shoulders was this incredible coat. And in my, in my mind, it reminded me of Joseph and his Technicolor dream coat. It was one of these flowing coats, but it didn't have colors. It was just made up of stars. And he took his coat, and he just swished it over the town. And all these little stars sprinkled into the snow-covered village. And because it was a while ago, I just said, Lord, please, can you remind me, what are the things you want to say about this? And it was just, this is lift. We are the stars in his coat. And he is sprinkling us. And they weren't big, bright, shining stars and small, tiny stars. 
they were all the same size because they were reflecting Jesus. We were connected. We were in his coat. And he took us and he placed us. And I just felt he was saying there's no spot where the stars fell that was too meager or too weak or too small or not important. It was every place is important. So where we find ourselves, where God has placed us at work, at home, cleaning someone's kitchen, at school, wherever, is where we can shine because we connected into him. Picture. I wanted Ginny to share it because when Jesus swished his cloak, that was all of us that he has flung out and placed into Switzerland. And you might be a Swiss here today. Well, do you know that Jesus flung you here even before you were born? You were born here. You were meant to be born here. But for us who are international, I want you to realize that he has flung you into Switzerland. We have landed here. We've landed here for a purpose. And the purpose is to shine like stars in this crooked and depraved world. Over this time with the war happening and things may get even worse, we ask ourselves, what are we to do? What are we to do? This is what we are to do. This is what we need to focus on. Shine like the stars in a dark world and see what God does through your life. I wanna say to you that God will use all personalities to shine. There are some of you that like to just talk to people one-on-one. That's where you are more comfortable with. God will use your personality to shine and to reach people. There are others of you who are more extrovert and you like to work the room. God will use your personality to reach people. God knows you. He knows how he created you. Don't let your personality think that God can't use you. God will use all people. He works with those who are willing. And then some of you might say, well, you don't know what I'm going through right now. I'm going through the darkest time in my life. I feel like one of the dark instead of one of the light. I get that. But you know, it's not us, it's Jesus in us. And sometimes when we are weak, we shine the brightest because it's Jesus in us. God in us, the hope of glory, Jesus in us. Even in your most darkest time, I believe when we're holding on to Jesus, he shines. And so none of us are excluded. It's just like Jesus says, come with me on this incredible adventure. The world is only gonna get darker. The Bible tells us the world is only going to get darker but the light is gonna get brighter. And that's us, we've gotta shine brighter. And so I hope this has been an encouragement to you. I believe that we are living in days where we have the greatest opportunity to shine. But you have to know the world is dark and Jesus is the answer. I pray that's a revelation to you today. And wherever Jesus has flung you into whatever company, whatever school, whatever town, just know you are there for a reason.